We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas, at Veterans Minimum is where you can find me. My guy on the other end, looking as spunky and as hot as ever, saluting. Salute the flag, cocksuckers. <laughs> I'm trying to find you. Yo, my guy, Alan. Thanks for calling in, man. A little bit of a, a weirder and different setup. Uh... I'm out in Vegas now, and there were some issues with uh, studio time on this first day, first week coming in, bro. I'm being, I'm being worked. I'm enjoying it, though. Uh, I'm doing a lot of studio stuff, like production and whatnot, getting to see from behind the scenes what it all looks like has been really, really cool. And uh, I start next week recording the VM content. So as far as our show goes... Got to give a shout out, round of applause to Alan for pushing this back to, it's about a quarter to nine, no, quarter to 10, right? Eastern time yeah, right now. I mean, it's, it's all good. It's, it's the life. And uh, it's been it's been cool, dude. I'm exhausted though, bro. It's been like, I've been guns blazing from the moment I landed here on Friday. Nice. You know how they weekend, still guns blazing. Yeah, cause it it wasn't so much work. Like I didn't I didn't get to the studio until Tuesday, but I just had to furnish everything. I literally bought everything here. Shout out to having good credit. Uh, it makes buying and getting an IKEA credit card so much easier. Seven hundred. That's how you gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was able to buy all the furniture. My mom actually came out with me. It's the first time that she's been on a flight since 1996, bro. Believe it or not. Man, that's can I do math. Thirty six years. Twenty six. Oh Jesus! Sorry. Yeah, yeah, or twenty. Yeah, twenty six years. And how she handle it? It was cool. It was funny because I was trolling her. She was asking me a lot of like really dumb questions, but it's because she never, she hasn't traveled recently, and she was like, "Do I need a passport to go?" I was like, "Nah, ma, you're good." Like, 
<laughs> Password is international. She's like, shut up. I know you're going to make fun of me. I was like, yeah, I got to. I got to. But she came out here, man, and it was dope because, like, I showed you I showed you my apartment. It looks, it's pretty sick. And, like, all the furniture is all her doing. Because if, if it was me, bro, I'd have a brown couch, a blue, a blue desk, a red, like, nightstand. It'd be a mess. So shout out to Mom Dukes for furnishing it. But what's good with you, man? She knows the decor. Yeah. What's going on with you back there? Oh, man, hectic week, especially, so I, I got, like, full control of the Odyssey Sports side of the app, so, like, I got to start pushing this, I got, like, a Rams, pa- Rams, Jesus, Rams, Bills, I can't wait to say Rams, Patriots, Rams, Bills, Carousel, going to work, Carousel is like a playlist, so I'm doing promotion, we got various radio stations and podcasts to work with, so a lot going on there, it's fashion week starting Friday, so I got to shave suit and start looking uh, like I'm 25 years old. You got PC's people, you know, got to be all baby face assassin. But now, uh, of course, the Falcons, they uh, it's hate week actually. Falcon Saints, I think this is the first time since like 2005. There's no Matt Ryan, no Sean Payton, so man, it really is a new era. Man, hate week. I know that the Falcons and the Saints they really be getting after it, and those fan bases are super passionate. It's uh. How would you break down this week one slate, dude? Like, from a, give me a two part question. Give me your excitement level, and then give me your intrigue in like the matchups. Like, I know we're all excited that football is back, but like, where are you on on those skills? I'm an eight. I would have been a nine if the Monday night game was better. I know storyline wise. It's exciting, but I just look. We spoke about Seattle. It's very hard to get up for Seattle, and I think the one o'clock slate could be a little bit better. But I, Thursday night, amazing. Sunday night, say we won't have a doubt, but I think they're going to bring it. And then at the four o'clock slate, it's like every game is compelling. So I think there's a lot to choose from. Obviously, we have a couple of revenge games, but I think you're getting some real high quality football between you know what's going on Thursday night, the four twenty-five games. Man, um, I know we're down in Arizona, but Kyler against Mahomes, that's going to be fun. And then, you know, we talked about the AFC West. We already got one matchup already. Vegas against LA Chargers. Like, what more can you ask for? So, I'm buzzing for it. I just, you know, if I had to knock a little bit, I just wish the Monday night game was better. Yeah, usually they do that Monday night game like a doubleheader, right? Yeah, they do it for week two, weirdly enough. Really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And you know what they They're doing Bills, Titans. And your NFC Championship preview, Vikings Eagles. Wow, <laughs> that's your that's, that's your game right there. Hey, if you guys didn't listen, so w- this actually worked out really well. Ironically enough, that we're not really doing video and all that, and from the studio because there is so many clips and clips and more clips from the NFL preview show because we went for about two hours and forty five minutes. So please, if you haven't listened to that. Uh, there is always a big spike, Allen, in the August to September listeners with the show. And I think it's because football is our bread and butter. And it's what like the core of, of the, the VM show was, was football. And that's when it started. And, you know, we always highlight the flagship show being the preview show. But it, it's cool because I don't want to edit anymore, bro. I've just been cranking out all these edits. And shout out to shout out to Alex. Both Alex's, shout out to Dom and Eric who have been helping with editing and, and doing some of the social media stuff for VM. So big props to them. Uh, Alan, I'm ready to dive into uh, a couple of things here for week one. And I want to start with 
Let's start with like revenge games, dude. We have a couple on the slate. And revenge games in the sense of like the quarterback playing his own team. Of the two, well, there are three now, but of the two, which one do you think is, which one are you more interested in? Is it Russ against the Seahawks on Monday night, or is it Baker going up against the Browns, both Baker and Russ, they, well, Russ had his tenure in Seattle, and then Baker was supposed to have his tenure in Seattle, and I feel like... Both guys got wildly disrespected by their organizations, the way it was handled. So I know I kind of went off on this one, but which which game are you more intrigued by? Which revenge game? I think probably Denver-Seattle purely based on Denver having the highest upside out of the four teams. I just think Denver has a chance. Even though I did not pick the night for playoffs, I think Denver is the biggest threat out of those four teams. I got a feeling Caroline is going to be an ugly slop fest and where Nick Chubb breaks open like a 60-yard run, and at least we get that one moment. At least with Denver, they have some moving pieces. I want to see how that offense looks and you know how the, the new relationship between Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett has to start out because it seems like that's going to be Russ's offense. So uh, I'm going purely based on just talent level, uh, Denver-Seattle for Denver. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. This idea of having Jacoby Brissett, I mean, all reports, I was talking to uh, Jake Brown. He uh, he has a pod with, uh, with Blue Wire, and he covers, the, he covers the Cleveland Browns, and he's like, it hasn't looked good in camp for Jacoby Brissett. And it's going to have to be Nick Chubb getting the ball 25-plus times, killing the clock, and that defense for Cleveland being able to sort of answer the answer the call of Baker Mayfield, right? Like, I know it might sound weird because Baker isn't exactly Pat Mahomes, but Baker's been yapping, bro. Baker's been talking all this shit about, yeah, I'm going to fuck them up and all these reports coming out of how he, you know, he obviously feels slighted to that. And uh, poetic justice at this first game is a revenge game for Baker. But I, that game could be like 17-10 and just... Like you said, hopefully a, a Nick Chubb run breaks out to to make it compelling. I think that's going to be a really sloppy and ugly game. But if you look at it from a Carolina standpoint, a, am I bugging for thinking that Carolina might have the better offense going into this one? Because think about it, you get I mean, Ma- you get you Ma- make a strong argument. You get McCaffrey now fully healthy, right? We're not saying for for all seventeen games, but right now. For the most part, every team, this is the healthiest that they'll be all year. And you get McCaffrey fully healthy. You get the wide receivers fully healthy. DJ Moore got paid in the offseason. The offensive line isn't banged up yet, though still not exactly an elite unit. You're going to get J.C. Horn back, too. That's going to be fun for Carolina. You got some playmakers on defense. I think that could be pretty uh, impactful guys like Burns. So how do you feel about that with the offenses? I'm still slightly leaning Cleveland purely off their running game and O-line. Their O-line still a top-five unit, best running back 10 in the league. I know Jones and Dylan might have something to say about that, but I think Chubb and Hunt, I'd still give it to them. I just think you could still at least depend on it. Carolina, they might, I think they had the more talent, definitely personnel-wise, but when it comes to just offensive line play and the dependability of that running game, I'm still going Cleveland. Yeah, but that's you trusting the scheme more than anything, right? 
I mean, that's what counts, and I'm taking Kevin Scavancy over Ben McAdoo any day of the week. How dare you? How dare you? Are you looking forward to seeing Ben McAdoo back in plays? Hey, man, listen, Ben McAdoo wanted to, to, to trade the future for Pat Mahomes. So the guy, the guy does, know, does know quarterbacks, though it didn't work out well post that first season he was there with the Giants. And how about this one? Did you Matt Patricia and Joe Judge on the same coaching staff. Matt Patricia calling plays for Mac Jones. Oof, talk about ugly. I know we're off the Patriots, but when when I finally connected the dots the other day, doing like my final, uh, you know, just run through of everything, I was like, how did we not mention that on the preview show? Yeah, something telling me this is gonna be like a mid-season change. There's just no way I could see that working for 17 games. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get ugly for sure, and they're gonna have to make some adjustments. Let's dive into uh, the Denver the Denver and Seahawks thing because we did pick that one as far as like the the revenge factor. Like we're not gonna spend too much time on it because I, I do think Denver um, is the better team and they should win this game. But I do think I wonder what the crowd is gonna be like for us. Um, I think they should embrace them because I don't think. They're out of their minds if they don't embrace them. You know what he did for that franchise? Like, come on. There's no, like, how can you boo him? He literally made you relevant. Yeah, and it's just like, at this point, I think they just had to move on. It was clear him and Pete Carroll, they got different mindsets. Pete Carroll still coaches like it's 1983, but that more power to him. And Russell Wilson, I think he wanted to go play for retirement because Seattle has been in cap hell for quite a bit of time. It made some bad trades, as we all know. Insert Jamal Adams joke. Like it had, it just they had to amicably spin it, and I think they did it. So to me, there should be no animosity towards Russ. He did everything he could. Our franchise, yeah, took them to two Super Bowls, took them to the playoffs pretty much every year, won them a Super Bowl, became an iconic franchise for this generation. I believe there's only like five teams that have won more games than Seattle since that tenure in 2012 kicked off. And you're right, dude, because this is this is one of the reasons why I, I wish we had a video running right now because this would be something I would clip. Seattle is in – well, the Seattle situation was such a weird and wacky and unfortunate one, all three of those words to describe it, because you have a really good quarterback, which is what you want, right? Like everyone in the league wants to have a really good quarterback. But his cap hit is so big – and then you parlay the fact, these decisions that they've made with the contracts of Jamal Adams. And then they let go of a guy like Bobby Wagner, where he found out on Twitter that he got released. Like, this is a dude who, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, this guy made, I think, eight all-pro teams. Like, if it's not for Aaron Donald, he's the most stable, locked-in, best defender in football of, of, of this generation as well. Like, most consistent. Um and then you kind of look at, like, the mishandling of DK Metcalf until he got paid, right? Like, it was really funky. Is he going to get traded? Is he not? Tyler Lockett and all these rumors. And then never addressing, really, the backfield. Carson always getting hurt. But I feel like Seattle, they definitely should embrace him. I agree with you that they'd be foolish to boo him in any sort of fashion. But I also think, like, the situation with Russ is so weird because... They were in a rebuild, and it wasn't going to be a competitive rebuild, which you do see a couple of teams, Allen, do sometimes. Right. Yeah, especially in that division, because they tried it last year, and even before he got injured, you kind of saw 
the walls were creaking. And now it's just like, you know, they, they just weren't hitting on dress. And when you look at their past draft class, it, it's pretty ugly. Now, this current draft class looks pretty encouraging. I really like Charles Cross. I thought he was arguably the best tackle in this class. So that's something they could hold a hat on. But it, it just had to end. I think for those rumblings for about two and a half years. And eventually it just gets to the point where, you know, look, Wilson's, what, 33 years old? He's got to go somewhere. Nah, man, you're absolutely right. And I think that's that's what it came down to. And I'm actually looking forward to that that uh, Monday Night Football game just because of the storyline of Russ going back home to Seattle. I'm intrigued to hear Buck and Aikman on ESPN. Wow, that's that right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, all right, let's go to the slate on Sunday. Uh, we got a couple of games here that we definitely want to highlight and some games that I think are – I think they're the most interesting games on the slate. Like as far as all of these teams that we're going to talk about are either playoff teams from last year or we think are going to make the playoffs this year. So I'll go in. I'll go in chronological order. Let's go with. Let's talk about Vikings Packers, dude. And I want you to lead us off with this one. How do you feel about? This game in particular, going into this one, the Vikings are at home. They're the underdog to the Packers. And the loss of Adams, we've highlighted ad nauseum. Everyone knows that. It feels like Aaron Aaron Rodgers would check all the boxes of a guy I would want to bet on for MVP if he hadn't won it back-to-back seasons and just lost his number one wide receiver. But I think there is like a FU FU season coming from Aaron Rodgers again, which is the best Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, how many FU seasons can you have? Can, you gotta run out of them at some point. Absolutely fair. However, what if what if the reasons for having an FU season are justified? Uh, can you do it in January? I think that's just the story with Green Bay at this point. Like, I, I hate to be like this on hair rate radio host. Just think of like one punch lines, but like, look, we know Green Bay last year is they've been the best regular season team. They've put up wins at the wins. Like, it's just, can I do in January? I think if you want to look at this matchup, though, I'm, you know, we're talking about the loss of Adams, but another player who has been on and off, maybe he'll play, but he's been out for over a year, David Bakhtiari. And you look at, you want to talk about revenge games, one of the more interesting ones, the Darius Smith yep. and Neil Hunter's returning. So you have, so Vikings are back to having two very dangerous edge rushers with uh, Daniel Hunter, who's one of the most freakish edge rushers you'll watch, and there's Darius Smith, who you could utilize all across the D-line. So uh, in the trenches, I think, is going to be one of the bigger things to watch out for because we know Green Bay, they bring pressure in a lot of different ways. But Minnesota, no more Mike Zimmer. They're not gonna, I don't think they'll be blitzing as much, but they certainly have the personnel to cause some problems. Yeah, that's uh... – that's interesting because you beef up that defense that was kind of falling apart under Mike Zimmer, especially last year between the injuries yeah. and then just – I think Mike Zimmer just overstayed his welcome. Uh, it's just – you know, he was a guy that for, for you to be there for as long as he was and not really win much or consistently win, I think eventually the locker room just grows sour on you. And that's something that I've been able to learn through the years. And I'm sure you've probably – heard it from athletes too maybe not like on the record but off the record they're like yeah you know eventually the coach just kind of gets stale and it's hard for you to to feel that inspired and motivated to play for him what do you make of 
the running backs in this game. Because I think both running backs, Jones and Cook, are going to have big roles for their team, obviously. Not only in this game, but for the foreseeable future, as long as 2022 is is playing out for them. But then I also think, from the Packers' perspective, A.J. Dillon is going to be on the field a ton for them, especially how they plan on utilizing that dual backfield between Jones and Dillon. So how do you feel about these running backs? Oh, it's the most exciting thing about Green Bay's offense, especially with A.J. Dillon. I think he actually ended up having seven more carries than Aaron Jones last year, which was pretty alarming, but then just testament to how much he's evolved as a running back. Because Dillon, he's a threat at the backfield as a receiver. He's not going to run routes, but as a checkdown option, it could be a quick 10 yards just giving the ball. And as you know, he's going to carry a couple defenders to get an extra two, three, four yards. So he's a weapon himself. And then Aaron Jones, I think that's one of the most fascinating things I look forward to, like what his usage is going to be like. Because I look back on that Chiefs game, I believe it was 2019 when Adams was out and Aaron Jones had like seven catches for like 130, two touchdowns, and they put him on the outside from the slot. He can create mismatches. And Minnesota... Yes, they got Eric Kendricks, who's really good, but their defense is a little bit older. Uh, I'm still not really convinced by the secondary. So I know Matt LaFleur, who, you know, give him all the heat you want, but he's one of the best coaches at uh, putting together the strategic game plan. He knows how to exploit mismatches, and he has a player in Aaron Jones that can create mismatches all across the field. So between that and then just A.J. Dillon plowing through defenders, someone that knows how to wear down defense, you know, I think I think if Green Bay has the ball for at least, like, 30 to 32 minutes in this game. Like, if they have the time possession advantage, they're probably going to win this game purely off just wearing down a Minnesota defense that is talented but still very much aging. No, you're absolutely right. And I feel like the recipe for success for Green Bay would be Aaron Rodgers continues to not turn the ball over. They grind teams out. And then when they do get a lead, that defense might be like a top three defense, bro. Their oh, defense yeah. is stacked. And – you know, again, they, they don't take a wide receiver in the first round, and everyone was bitching and moaning, but they load up on defense. And it's funny because, like, the defense didn't let them down in that playoff game, really. It was the offense. And then you go and you invest in the defense. You kind of make – it's weird, right? Because you, make a, you continue to make a strength even stronger as opposed to going and filling needs for other things. Dude, I saw it with the Giants. Like, for years, the Giants – Used to have O'Hara, not wow, that's like 15 years ago. O'Hara, your boy Deal, uh, Soybert, um, McKenzie. Like they had a solid offensive line. And then on the defensive line, they had Strahan, Yuminyora, Tuck, JPP. So what they do? Oh, let's take a chance on this corner. Let's take a chance on David Wilson, who unfortunately for him, he had a career-ending injury. That that's just chance. That that happens. But it's all right, let's take this tight end and see what could happen. Let's take this. This wide receiver. And then before you know it, that strength of yours gets older. Guys want to get paid. They either retire or they leave. And then your strength is no longer a strength. And now it's like been your weakness for a decade. So with, with Green Bay, it, it's weird because they took the, the approach that the Giants once did. And a few teams do, right? Like they continue to just double down on their strength. What do you make of Justin Jefferson? In this matchup, Jair Alexander missed a lot of last season. I'm pretty sure them two didn't square off last year from the games that Alexander missed. I'm waiting for my notes to load in because so, I had that written uh, down. 
I think Alexander just played in September, and those two teams faced in November, December. So no, I don't think they matched up last year. And Alexander is very comfortable going to the slot, so I think wherever Jefferson goes, it wouldn't be shocking to see Alexander shadow him. Yeah, which one... makes for a fantastic, makes for a fantastic matchup. Oh yeah, you're you're looking at two of the best five players at their position in the NFL. I mean, I remember when Jair Alexander was coming back or rumored to be coming back for the playoffs. I kept telling you on every episode, like, dude, this Packers team, man, they're destined to go to the Super Bowl. They're getting their best cornerback back to a top three corner in the league. And then obviously it didn't play out that way, but it's just, it's going to be a fun matchup. And he is one of the rare corners that does like to travel. And he is like a real alpha and, and then you have an absolute alpha who everyone is kind of penciling in that Justin Jefferson year three explosion. I know he was my offensive uh, offensive player of the year. Uh, I took him number two overall. Mine too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took him number two overall in my fantasy league. CMC went first, full PPR. Uh, Damn, why would the drop it Taylor? <laughs> I so here, here's the thing, right? Because everyone's like, dude, how do you not take Taylor? I don't like taking guys off a uh, career year and scoring all those touchdowns. I know he's a running back, it's not like a wide receiver scoring that many touchdowns, but I do b- believe in regression to the mean. And, and you know, to be fair, like I wouldn't argue against it. Jonathan Taylor's mean could be 15 touchdowns a year, <laughs> so we just we just don't know because he was a rookie his you know two years ago and. Those first like eight weeks, people were like, yo, he's a bust. He's horrible. And then he went nuclear in the second half of the season. So th- that's why I took Justin Jefferson second. Gotcha. Uh, I do want to mention, I think besides Miami, um, there's an offensive more intrigue to watch than Minnesota because it's going to be, I just want to see what the new coaching staff has in store because last year, the, no team ran 11 personnel fewer than the Vikings, which is very disappointing considering how good KJ Osborne uh, played at in spurts last year, so I want to see. Given that McConnell comes from Sean McVay's offense, where they it seems like they run eleven personnel all the time, utilize three wide receivers. I want to see you know, what's going to be like with Jefferson Thielen and Osborne, uh, how they're going to utilize all three of them and you know, test these Green Bay corners. Yeah, dude, I'm glad that you mentioned Osborne because I feel like he's a forgotten child in this offense, and dude had some pretty big games and uh, had some. Clutch catches for them last year, and he wasn't seeing the field much. And you're right, O'Connell coming in, who now I feel like I feel like I moved the line on this dude. He's the favorite for coach of the year. Ooh. A lot of Vikings. He's up there. Yeah, well, he was, he was right. He was like the sixth favorite at the time that we recorded our stuff and throughout this summer. But now, at the time that we're recording, September seventh, he is the current betting favorite behind. Uh, only trailing him is Dable and. Brandon Staley. So, Dave table, damn. Yeah, d- dude, I really don't get it. Like, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I would much rather bet him coach of the year than like the Giants to make the playoffs because I feel like if the Giants were to make the playoffs, he probably wins coach of the year. And, oh, it's a lot. Yeah. So, like, the odds are better. So, from like a betting perspective, I would do that, but I don't see it. The last thing I want to mention about O'Connell is you're right, dude. He comes over from the McVay tree. And I think. People are like fantasy booking how the Rams offense looked with Justin Jefferson as the Cooper Cup. And that's what everyone's been saying. And, and Kirk Cousins now in this new offense, 
who he's familiar with the guy, something that I had spotlighted to you a couple couple episodes ago. And you were like, oh, shit, that's right. They were together in Washington. But the thing, I, I don't want to say, like, because it is week one, but I think this is a monster, monster game for the Vikings more so than it is for the Packers. Agreed. Cause, I think just make, making that statement early on show that you're going to be competitive. Yeah, and, and, and it's the new head coach coming in. Things, you know, the culture is going to be different. You're beating the division rival who has been just running shit for the last 15 years for Aaron Rodgers. And then also, you know, one bad loss for the Packers if, like, they can't move the ball. You know that the Adams conversation is going to pop up, right? Like, oh, shit, no Adams. Like, you know, all these rookie wide receivers that he got and Romeo Dobbs and Watson and all that. So I'm really excited for this game, man. And I, I, I'm leaning towards the Vikings. I think the Vikings win this game outright. So you're confidently picking that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going Packers. Just can't trust Kirk Cousins to get the top five defense. And I just I believe in LeFleur. He's going to put together a good game plan. I think this Vikings defense is still highly questionable. So I'm going to believe in the ball control Green Bay offense and then that defense force multiple turnovers. I will say this. The idea of it does feel more comforting knowing that, all right, I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers as opposed to I'm betting on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it really just comes down to that. 120 wins to 79 losses against the spread is Aaron Rodgers in his career. Uh, so basically he covers games. And if he's to cover this game, it means that you're right and the Packers win. So I'm definitely excited for this one. And as I look at the whole slate, bro, you're so right that this – this afternoon slate is so, so good. Uh, even even my New York Giants. Uh, first game out in the West Coast, they're giving me a 1 p.m. local start time out here, which is, which is going to be exciting instead of waking up at 10 a.m. Uh, let's stay in the West Coast, bro. Kansas City going into Arizona. This game, Allen, opened up at minus three Kansas City, and now it's minus six Kansas City. Three full points. I came into this pod before I caught wind of this line moving, and I'm like, oh, Kansas City, I think more people are starting to buy into, all right, man, they lose Tyreek Hill, but like, we still trust the coach, we still trust the quarterback, there's still a lot of good football players on this team, and Mahomes is going to have a good offensive line in front of him, he'll have time to make plays. And I think people are starting to come around on... In the beginning of the summer, I was seeing Chiefs to miss the playoffs. Chiefs finishing last. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa guys, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. Because I want to remind people, and I shot a video for this, because I'm putting out a video that Pat Mahomes is my MVP, which I said on the preview show, but for, for the win, I'm doing something. And it's like, Pat Mahomes threw four touchdowns in a quarter last year without Tyreek Hill. So, like... Like Tyreek Hill, not that he didn't throw to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill didn't play in that game. So I'm going to trust Mahomes and Andy Reid to know what they're doing by letting go of Tyreek Hill. I saw Chris say Andy Reid, I think it's 14-1 and one in opening games. You know how crazy that is? Think about it, right? Like everyone always talks about Andy Reid off a of bye. Extended time for Andy Reid. What does Andy Reid have now? 
you got to treat this week one as like extended time, right? Because he's not showing you his hand in the preseason. They're doing a lot of vanilla right. shit. So coming into this game now, you're right. It's it's wild how well he does with extra time to prepare. Exactly. And I just, if you want to look at the matchup from X and O standpoint, I don't know who's rushing the passer. I don't know who's covering like Arizona's defense. Uh, bar, I know Vance Joseph has some familiarity from his Denver days, but they're just sonder man personnel-wise. And I do think Kansas City has done a good job of reloading after Trey Terry Kill. Like, Say you want with the drops, but all this scaling is a vertical threat you have to take account of that you have to account for. Uh, I think Juju Smith Schuster is in the perfect place to kind of revive his career. And then Sky Moore is like the true X Factor. I don't know how many snaps he's going to play, but uh, you watch a tape. He is someone that creates separation a lot, and he's someone that can stretch the field. So, and Hardman's always the another big player. So, like, they got moving pieces that we don't know about Kelsey. So, to me, like, Kansas City offense. There might be a slight reduction in explosive plays, and there might not be as fear, as much fear, given that Terry Hill isn't there. But and this offense will still be rolling. I think it's just a matter of you know who's Mahomes most comfortable throwing the ball to, and how are they going to feature the running backs because that's a little bit of a murky situation. Dude, I'm buying all the stock on Nicole Hardman. Wow. I really think I really think the issue with Kansas City was trying to make both him and Tyreek work at the same time. That's where they ran into trouble. I think Miko Hardman, the issue was that he was such a high draft pick for them. And he was kind of a luxury at the time that they took him because they were infatuated with speed, speed, speed. We got to have speed. Sammy Watkins. We got to have we got to have Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's really, really fast for a tight end also. So they were building their team on speed. And I think the idea of making two speed guys work, that's where they clashed heads and they had the issue. I think now with Miko Hardman playing the Tyreek Hill role, which, look, Tyreek Hill was not just a speedster. Dude was an amazing and is an amazing wide receiver. Uh, I always loved the comparison I made of Steve Smith on the Panthers for him. A guy who was undersized, obviously way faster than what Steve Smith was, but contested catches. He was a guy that would go up and get it over the middle. He was a guy that was tough. And I think Miko Hardman, not just in this game, which, I mean, who's going to guard him? Right, like Murphy. Yeah. Mm, okay, good luck. Marco Wilson, like. Yeah, it's a little underwhelming in that secondary outside of Buda Baker. So to me, I think, I think Biko Hardman, not just in this game, but like moving forward, I think he's gonna make a splash. And I think if you're Kansas City, you kind of want to right away with him, to again be able to control that narrative, similar to Rogers with 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 Adams. Like, yo, let's go out there, let's. Let's throw a deep bomb to to Miko Hardman. And then you know all the social media apps are going to be like, ah, no Tyreek, no problem, 70-yard bomb to, to Miko. Right? So, or, or MVS, like you mentioned, who, yeah, he has some drops, but he's still a guy who's going to get open. And, um, bro, what about this? Like, with the better offensive line from Mahomes, those young guys that they drafted last year <clears throat> who now are going to have another year under their belt, under the system, and playing in the NFL and shit – Imagine him with five, six Mississippi to throw. Because you know Mahomes does that running shit, MVS downfield. Yeah. It's going to be wild. I think you're going to see it this Sunday. On the flip side, Arizona, because I want to show them love, because I think they're very interesting. I think if you're Arizona, you want to weather the storm until D-Hop comes back. Because Kyler Murray's numbers are way better with D-Hop on the field. Because right now, entering week one, you're without your two number, your two starting wide receivers from last season. 
Christian Kirk is out because he's no longer on the team. And D-Hop is out because of the suspension. And it's Rondell Moore and and what? Zach Ertz? Mm. Zach Ertz is banged up. Um, obviously, they're banked a lot on Hollywood Brown, who, you know, he could always change the game. It's just a matter of consistency with him. And then AJ Green, it's like, can he give you another year? Wow, Hollywood Brown, you're right. The college roommates, the college teammates, yeah. I should say, are back. Yeah. So. And then Anton Wesley could be a, something you just throw the ball up to, but it, it's just a weird offense where. I know they always start strong. You know Kyle's going to make a few wild plays, but it's just hard to be optimistic with this Cardinals team as, as much star power as they have. What do you think happens in the backfield for Kansas City? I guess Edwards Hilaire is going to get the workload, but I think McKinnon will get some third down work, maybe Pacheco change the pace. I just I don't know about – I know Ronald Jones is still around, but the thing with Ronald Jones is like – he doesn't offer much as a receiver. He's terrible as a blocker, which if you can't block Randy Reed, it's a, you're probably not going to get a lot of snaps. So I think it's Edwards, hilarious job to lose, but you know, I think there's a reason why Pacheco's been getting buzzed. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird backfield because I think they want to. They would like to run the ball, but I don't think they have a guy that they really trust. And even Pacheco, he's, he's cool. It was a cool story in the summer, but... I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I know his ADP, like in fantasy, was like going through the roof at one point, in comparison to where it had started. I think Kyler Murray and 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 the Cardinals are going to come out hot, uh, whether it's this game or, or continuing into the season, because they always start right. It's not September, October we're worried about with them. It's it's later on. It's when Kyler Murray starts getting banged up, and I think this defense is going to be pretty lively, man. Like their their draft was awesome. That dirty lamb on the on the defensive line rushing the passer, yeah, and then uh, Frank Clark. I, I've been hearing some things from some guys that that cover the Chiefs with Blue Wire that there's like some Frank Clark buzz about him coming back and being inspired and, and making some noise in camp. He had to take a huge pay cut, so he better be inspired. Yeah, that's true. That's never a fun time when they ask you to you know take less than what you were expected to make. What else is there on this game, man? Or do you want to just tell me who you got? Um, no, I just think we're going to see fireworks, but just the Chiefs have too much. Like, I would not be shocked one bit if Mahomes threw for four touchdowns, if not five. Like, I just, this is his game. Like, it's, I think the, the matchups align in his favor. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Chiefs defense looks like because they're so high variance. Like, you don't know if they could force four turnovers or if they're going to allow 35 points. Like, I want to see you know, what else they have besides, you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark and, the rest of their defense. I just want to see a couple guys emerge because it is kind of a quiet defense. Like, they don't have too much star power, but, you know, Spagnuolo usually turns them around at some point. But uh, for the most part, I, I do definitely think this will be a chief showcase and I think it's a victory. Yeah, I think Mahomes comes out. The matchup is beautiful for them. Doesn't need to worry about a pass rush. Doesn't need to worry about anyone crazy in the secondary outside of one guy making plays. I think Travis Kelsey is going to run circles around Isaiah Simmons, who I was, like, buying all, all the stock on Isaiah Simmons coming out of Clemson. Same. And then I think I think Mahomes is going to come out, put his foot down, and just throw four touchdowns in the first game. Four touchdowns, 300 yards. And then Monday it's going to be, oh, shit, it's the Mahomes year. It's the Mahomes year again. There you go. He's back. Uh-oh. 
you know, he never went anywhere. He's somehow back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it didn't go nowhere, he's uh, he's somehow back. Um, all right. Next game up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders with their shiny new toy, Devontae Adams, and the L.A. Chargers, my Super Bowl winner, L.A. Chargers. Alan, how many Raider fans are going to be at this game? Um, 70% of the crowd will be Raider fans. Dude, you know that, that might be friendly. Yeah, yeah, you might, you might be setting that number low, bro. It's wild, right? Like, it's so wild. If, if Justin Herbert was, like, the quarterback of the Steelers, how much more attention do you think he gets? Like, I'm talking about, like, a legit, like, powerhouse public team. Because, like, the Chargers, they share the stadium with another team. The Rams were once there before. People still call them the San Diego Chargers. Like, I would see, I would say he'd be in a couple commercials. He'd be in a lot more high interview spots. You'd probably see him in, like, a... You know, he's in L.A. It's just, look, we know how little visibility Chargers get. So, if he was in Pittsburgh, definitely a lot more endorsed opportunities. The L.A. Chargers are coming into this game a little hobbled. Their big free agent addition, J.C. Jackson, is likely out for this one. He was the number one rated corner versus wide receiver ones in 2021. And... He was going to match up against the wide receiver one in the NFL, Devontae Adams. So that is a massive, massive mismatch in favor of the Raiders in this first one. And I think the thing that I'm looking forward to is how are the Chargers going to look now with some of the new additions on their team? And I know I just mentioned that one guy isn't going to be there, but like Khalil Mack in a revenge spot going up against a team in which he always like i know raider nation was always calling for him to come back and he would have some subtle subtle floaties in interviews about like him being open to going back to the raiders now you got him and bosa you got derwin james lurking asante samuel jr now he'll probably step up to guard Devontae adams so that's going to be a fascinating matchup but how do you feel about the charges in this matchup coming in without their number one corner this is the toughest game to call a week because I think it's such an even matchup. You know, it wasn't too long ago these two teams played in a do-or-die situation. Uh, I think with the Chargers, there's a lot of continuity. I know defensively they've obviously strengthened uh, given all the additions, but the offense is like, I think it's good that Justin Herbert finally is kind of a second year with the same offensive coordinator. Um, you know, his chemistry with Mike Williams, I feel like Mike Williams always starts out really well. There are questions if Keenan can still maintain this because he's getting a little older. So uh, the Chargers, I think it's going to be same old, same old offense. They're going to push the ball downfield. Eckler's going to get his uh, 20 touches a game, like between the rush and receiving. Uh, right now, it just, I don't know, it's like a really tough one to call. Like, I'm, I'm like really splitting hairs because I'm just, to me, it's all about the Raiders' offense. That's what I want to see. Like just given Josh McDowell's influence and the fact that they, to me, they got the scariest true in the league. Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. Waller, Renfro, and Adams are the like the mismatches that those guys could create 
versus literally every team in the league is ridiculous. Um, moving those guys around, splitting Waller outside to the big body, and he's like that hybrid tight end slash receiver. The thing that I'm really looking forward to the most is the defensive line of the Chargers going up against the offensive line of the Raiders. One thing that L.A. did in the offseason that I think has been flying under the radar for the most part is because they're not the biggest and flashiest names are the defensive tackles that they brought in. Sebastian Joseph Day coming over from the Rams. And then Austin Jackson, who came over from the Giants, who was an awesome run stuffer. And the Chargers were one of the worst teams in the league against the run. And I know the Raiders aren't exactly like, you know, ground and pound Minnesota Vikings, New England Patriots versus Buffalo. But they're a team that they would get killed on the ground. And now if you could force the Raiders to be one-dimensional and have Derek Carr beat you, yeah, you got the weapons to do it, but go out there and do it now. All right. And that Raiders offensive line, we really have no idea what to make of it, given how bad that Leatherwood pick was. You know, too many players emerging. And you, know, you got to block Mack and Bolt. Like, Mack and Bolt, like, to me, like, this game has two of the coolest edge-rushing tandems in the league between – Crosby and Chandler Jones, and then you have Bosa and Mack on the other side. If you want to watch edge rushers, this is the game for you. because, you know, and, it, and it's kind of cool with the Chargers that they got two guys that are considered like true veterans. That you know They're not quite top five anymore, but there was one point they were two of the most menacing edge rushers in the league, and now they're together. So what kind of matchup is that going to create? Yeah, this is definitely a pass rusher's delight on Sunday in this matchup. And even Chandler Jones, you kind of put him in there while Max Crosby is the guy who's up and coming now, and he's going to be a premier pass rusher in the league for as long as he's healthy and he's active. Are you I, – I also want to – not you, but I also want to see the Chargers sort of play with a chip on their shoulder because this is a team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. All right, like, I think they will. Yeah, they, they are, they're not going to forget about that because – they could have won that game about three times. Yeah, so you have that wrinkle and parlayed with the fact that this is a division rival and it's your home opener. So I think the Chargers need to come out and make a statement if they want to be taken serious. And then I think the Raiders, the Raiders also, they want to validate giving all that money to Devontae Adams and making that work. And they also paid Hunter Renfro. They haven't paid Darren Waller yet. And he's pretty disgruntled as well with the Raiders with what's been going on. But I think what's cool about this matchup is I think it's going to say more about the Chargers if they win than it would if the Raiders won. Yeah, there's definitely more pressure on the Chargers given the expectations how the season ascended. And you know, they have to do better defensively because it's just like you watched them last year. Some of the things that was being committed, it's inexcusable from the run, defense woes, bad tackling, coverage busts. I know J.C. Jackson's out, but... Considering Brain Staley's reputation and how big of a matchup this is going up against Josh McDaniels, that we really have to see something from this defense. Yeah, and if you're the Chargers offense, you should be able to feast on the secondary for the Raiders. If the pass rushers can't get there, because look, that Chargers offensive line is much improved. I mean, it was much improved last year, and it only got better, too. They spent the first-round pick on the offensive line again. Uh, continuing to build on his strength to take care of Justin Herbert. So, to me, I'm looking forward to Herbert maybe having a monster game coming out the gates, too. Look, he lit them up last year in both outings, too, right? Like, that that last game, let's not forget, he threw the ball 17 times on that last drive and then completed one pass. 
make some big boy throws. Hell yeah, dude. On like fourth down and 12, you're just converting that shit. Just getting me bricked up. Uh, and then Chargers don't even have, like, I know Keith Allen's fantastic route route, but like Chargers don't have guys that necessarily separate. They're just big body vertical threats. So Herbert really has to be on point with his accuracy, and more times than not, he is. Who you got in this game? Oh, my God. I've gone back and forth. I'm going to go to Chargers. Uh... Not overly confident about it, but I'm going to back on the pass rush, and I do think this is going to be a big Austin Eckler game because the Raiders have a lot of issues at linebacker. I could see them running like circle routes with Eckler. You know, Herbert, you know, he loves throwing the ball 50 yards downfield. If he sees Eckler have an opening, he's going to take it. So I could see this being a huge Eckler game, huge Keen Allen game, and you know, those edge rushes are going to eventually force cards making one or two errant throws. I kind of see it playing out the same way. And for as much as Justin Herbert likes showing off his, his deep ball ability, he has no issue checking it down to Austin Eckler or anyone else, like in the flats or, or coming out the backfield. So I'm all, I'm with you on the Chargers. I think this game, this game could be a blowout too. I think the Chargers could easily jump Ooh. out to a big lead. Yeah, man. I think so. Think about it, right? We we talked about the offensive line for the Raiders being in shambles. We don't know what it's going to look like, and then their secondary is really, really in bad shape. And what do the Chargers do well? They have an explosive offense, a stallion at quarterback that's going to chuck it all over the field to big-time wide receivers, and then they have those edge rushers. So I I think this game could get ugly. It could get ugly, and that's how I think it plays out. Derek Carr, he's ready for a shootout. Derek Carr tends to have his bigger games against the Chargers. I don't know why he tends to step up. Although that Monday night game was kind of rough last year, come to think of it. But more times, I just feel like Derek Carr in high-pressure situations, we've seen him show up before. But, uh, no, I do agree, though. I got the Chargers. Sunday Night Football. Cowboys versus the Bucks. Once again, it is week one for these two teams. They played last year in a fantastic game. I remember the Cowboys uh, covered that game late. And it was it was cool to see Dak last year in that matchup show that he was back from the injury. And then this year, coming into this one, the Cowboys are not playing at home as opposed to last year playing on the road. Does this does this Tom Brady stuff make you nervous at all for Tampa Bay heading into this game? Or is it because it's Brady, he's been there, done that, he'll be able to get past whatever issues he's having at home? Yeah, I think Tom Brady is fine. It's just a matter of the offensive line because as much talent as Dallas has lost, they still have uh, the pass rush that could really just break open a game. And, you know, you know we, we've talked about the whole Tampa Bay offensive line. And it just I think that's the biggest question mark they're facing right now. How does offensive line, and what's going to be a hostile environment going against a couple of game records like Lawrence and Parsons, how are they going to cope with this? Because, yes, Brady can get the ball out in like 2.3 seconds, and they certainly have the personnel to just you know, take over a game, given they can go four wide, depending on Godwin, though. But I, I'd be, I, I'm really curious to see how this offensive line looks. That's the biggest concern. I mean, even more so than years past, because your quarterback's also 45 and he's not mobile. So if your offensive line is that bad and all the guys that they've lost that we've highlighted so much and, and the Cowboys are going to be able to generate pressure, I still think so, with Parsons and with Lawrence and your boy Quinn if he comes up with any exotic blitz packages. The thing is, Tom Brady has a history of owning Dan Quinn, so 
uh, that, that, that gives me a little cause for concern. That's fair. That's very fair. This one, the it's weird, right? Because the offensive line for Tampa Bay's in shambles, kind of holding on by a thread. If, they, if that even they is, they have a forty-year-old playing left tackle, though. What's up? They don't have a forty-year-old playing left tackle, at least. So I was going to get to how Dallas's offense is kind of a mess across the board too. The wide receivers, even CD Lamb is a little hobbled coming into this one. And then the offensive line, anytime Tyron Smith is not in, it just looks night and day for Dak Prescott in this offense. So I don't really know how I feel about this game, man. I am I weird for thinking it might be an ugly one? Uh yeah, given that both teams kind of need time to gel. Like I could see there being a few lapses, a couple of uh uh, mistimed routes, you know, times where you know, they're on the same page. Brady, I could see Brady going after poor Russell Gage to go after the receiver can get after because Tyler Johnson's not in the team anymore. So I could see Russell Gage runs in, Kirk Rob, Brady going after him. But at the same time, Dallas' offense, uh, it's going to be a struggle given their concerns of the old line. They don't many receivers outside of Steve Lamb who have stretched the field. Yes, they want to try to get Zeke involved, but if there's one team you do not want to try to run the ball against, it is. The Tampa Bay Bucks, like you, just, there's just no point running on them. It's it's not going to work given how good their front seven is. So, and you know, Tom Bowles is going to bring the heat. Tom Bowles, I think, besides that sound, has the most uh, exotic blitzes in the league. Like he is very persistent with it, and you know, I, I think he looks at Dallas's receivers like, okay, I trust my secondary to you know, make sure Lamb doesn't break open the game, Schultz doesn't eat up across the middle of the field, and I can just get in Dak's face and just force a couple turnovers. So, you know, I think, think this is Tampa's game to lose, but uh, as exciting as this matchup is, it should be on paper. I can see it becoming a bit of a slot fest. I want to see Diggs in this matchup against Mike Evans, or, or our boy. Our boy, give oh, us Julio, one. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, man, Julio gets him. Come on, baby, give us one. We need one. We need, yo, we're going to get, we're going to get, a Julio eruption spot at one point. And, Allie, you know what I'm going to do? Every week I'm going to call for it. And every week, if I'm wrong, I'm going to continue to call for it. And then I'll have that one soundbite. And I'll be like, yo, I called it this week. <laughs> Falcons defense, they'll provide the gifts. If it doesn't happen by, I don't know when the Falcons put the Bucks, but they provide presence. I think, though, on a serious note, I think Diggs, Diggs has uh, some pressure on him heading into this season. Oh, nationally televised game, especially when you look at that last game, like if Garoppolo could throw 20 yards outside the numbers, Ayuk could have put up 200 in that game because he was cooking Diggs almost every other snap. Well, it's that. The last time we saw him, he was getting fried. But then through the offseason, more people were like, yo, he gave up 1,000 yards in coverage but he had 11 turnovers he had 11 interceptions and housed a bunch of them so it was like all right he's making all these glorious plays and highlight real plays but he's also getting fried by Kadarius Tony and Darius Slayton and, and and Brandon Ayuk who was in the doghouse for the longest time so it's like who really is Trayvon Diggs Unless he's taking significant shards in the offseason, we might just see the, you know, the same feast or famine. You know, he does like to gamble a little bit, but just when he gets beat, like it's like 10 yards beat. Like he is not in the vicinity. And we all know about this Tampa Bay receiving corpse. Like 
this is what's been talked about. What makes Tampa Bay such a scary offense is that you know, I don't know if any team in the league in the forever how many years could go four receiver deep like them. And as long as Godwin's playing, which it seems like he is, it, it's going to be a problem. And unless we have a few plays where Michael Parsons does some extraordinary stuff and Demarcus Lawrence is making his presence known, it's just it's hard to be optimistic with the Cowboys right now. It's just, they don't have a lot of depth and. It's that offense isn't ready right now to be in a shootout. You, that's it right there. What you just said, they're not they're not equipped like they were in years past. Remember, I called them the Kansas City Chiefs of the NFC. Yeah, <laughs> that, that ain't Boy, the case, be. bro. They have fallen off bad. They've lost a lot of pieces on offense, and the continuity between Dak and the receivers. I think that's going to be something. I know Tolbert's been lining it up in camp and. You know, his offensive rookie of the year odds significantly were going all over the place, like improving and making him more and more of a favorite. And the line was dropping, but still, it's a rookie wide receiver who, I don't know, it's just, it's a bad, it's a bad matchup for Dallas. Because uh, it's going to have to be Dak and CD Lamb running wild. And I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. Uh, I know you can't wait for Tony Pollard to have more yards than Zeke Elliott by that again. Oh, dude, I mean, if I if there was a sports book offering me to bet that heads up, I would take that every game because he's going to he's gonna outperform him. I mean, he has been. Like, in, if you look at the opportunity that both guys get, like, Pollard does it way more efficiently with way less opportunities. Zeke is done, bro. I've been saying it for two, two and a half years now. That's it. Hey, they're going to need even blitz pickups, though. I will say that Zeke is best trade right now is picking up blitzes and hey, say what you want. There is value in Not, having that skill. You are, you are absolutely right. That's his. Yeah. That was his best asset, I think, coming out of college too. Like he was an an elite, elite blitz picker, like coming out of college too. And that's why you knew like right away he was going to be a three down back. Like yeah, first and second down, but three downs he was going to be out there all the time. Devin White explodes. You give Devin White any sort of crease, he's blowing up that gap. So. You know, there, there's still some value with Zeke yeah, as much as we're opposed to it. You know, I'm just, I think I'm excited to see what Tom Bowles could do. This is like, he's in a golden opportunity, and it's cool to see him get a second opportunity given, you know, everything that went wrong with the Jets. So, how he handles the pressure, even though I do think this game should be comfortable for Tampa Bay, it's still a nationally televised game, and you are going against a Dallas offense that still has some star power. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call, but I do think it's going to be enough for him to get a win here. I think Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is the better team across the board. I think if it was any other quarterback, I'd be skeptical about him just leaving during August training camp. But since it is Brady, and it's not his first year going to Tampa, he's now there for three seasons, so he's familiar with all the weapons. I think they're going to be fine, and I think that they – they go into Dallas and they take care of business. I think they win by like a touchdown. And I think it's like, I think at, at no point in the game are they trailing or not up two scores. I think it's like a 10 to 14 point game and then maybe Dallas hits a touchdown late or, or cuts it late. But I think it's a, it's a comfortable win for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, sir, couldn't agree more. Alan, thank you for uh, doing this one, man for uh, keeping you up later than I was supposed to. Um, I know you're going to be d- busy over the next couple of weeks, so you'll be checking back with us later on in the season, and we'll be following up with these previews that we've been doing. But let the people know what you're doing, uh, what are you working on, where can they can find you on social media. 
Allenstirk. That's A L L E N S T R K. Uh, I have a record this tomorrow afternoon, but we have Falcon Saints podcast preview happening. That'll be up Friday morning. Me and my buddy Kevin Knight. Uh, for, uh, it, it, my company now knows is like, oh, you're doing a lot of podcast appearances. You want to promote the app? So, yes, download all the app, get listen to all exclusive radio stations, podcasts, uh, interviews. Like, we got it all there. And uh, I also have an article come out talking about, you know, potential future stars for the Atlanta Falcons, given that this roster definitely needs stars. So, definitely a little love for Drake London. Desmond Ritter probably will be playing by week five because. Mariota behind that offense lines can get ugly, so I wrote about some of the you know impressive Falcon rookies to look out for. So yeah, a lot going on right now. It's the exciting time of year, so definitely got a lot of push. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's the best time of the year. I can't wait until you come out here one weekend and we record some shit in person again. Uh, gonna miss. We're aiming for playoff time. We're aiming for January, February. Jan- like that'd be the good time. That will be a good time, man, but we'll be in touch throughout. At Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is to find everything for the show. Patreon members, um, be active in the Discord. We're dropping uh, picks, and the, we're starting to build that community out more. You can join the Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You get access to the, to the Patreon and uh, access to the Discord. And there's going to be the sports betting pod that I'll be doing solo, just running through the, the bets I'll be making that weekend. Now it's sports betting being legal in more and more states. Alan, I believe it's like 23 states now that are locked in with sports betting. Wow. So it's almost halfway there. Almost halfway there, brother, brother. We're almost halfway there. And uh, yeah, if you guys are listening to the show, please tag us on social media. It's, it's the best. I've always felt like it's the best way to grow the show and to continue to grow the show. It's word to mouth. Tell your friends. Uh, tell people about it, tag us, we'll repost it. And uh, starting next week, we'll be giving out shout outs to people that do repost it and all that fun stuff. So veteransminimum.com is you can find everything for VM. And we will catch you guys next time. Enjoy Red Zone. Enjoy your fantasy teams. Enjoy your bets. And most importantly, congrats. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.